Hello from ABA Annual Meeting 2017 in New York City. I'm Lawrence Coletti. I'm Patrick Merck. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. I'm here with uh, Patrick, Mr. Patrick Merck. Uh, he was a panelist, and this is going to be a tongue twister. Here's the title of your CLE in the City session. It's called Team Industry versus Team Startup, Debating the Effects of Blockchain and RegTech on the Longstanding Framework for Financial Regulation. Patrick, did you write this? Yes. You know, I got paid by the hour, so, you know, it's... That's, that's just how we do it. I think you got paid by the word. I think it might have, yeah. <laughs> it took me a couple hours to write it out, so. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's tremendous to say, but uh, anyway, a lot in there. We got to unpack it, but before we get to it, let's learn a little bit more about you, your bio. Where do you work? What do you do? Sure thing. So I actually have two roles right now. I am a fellow at the Berkman Klein Center for Internet and Society at Harvard University, where I work on the Digital Finance Initiative, and I am special counsel at Cooley. Uh, where I work on the fintech team. Excellent, excellent. So the uh, the CLE session, uh, team industry versus team startup. You know, I think it probably is a good place to start. Let's just kind of get a general synopsis as to what it was about. Sure, we were just looking at you know the effects of uh, disruptive and sustaining innovation on financial technology and regulatory technology in the financial industry. And, you know, and it's always an interesting tension between incumbents who are regulated and startups who may be able to move around the regulation just a little bit. Okay, so obviously a team industry versus team startup, there's a couple of different emphases there. Uh, and uh, so uh, obviously the, the law and the regulations are going to treat those two different uh, subgroups differently. So let's get into that. Why don't we start with team industry? Sure. So, I mean, if you're a financial institution or your bank, you're a heavily regulated uh, um, entity. Uh, in fact, in, in some ways, it's it's almost like you're a public-private partnership um, in helping uh, develop the uh, economic system, uh, the global economic system, and keep order there. Uh, even if you're not a bank, if you're a non-bank FI, you still have many of the same regulations that apply to you. So, you know, you, you have a certain mindset and a certain way of doing business that um, is is important and, and, and systemically important for the good of the global financial system. And how does that compare to team startup? Team startup, I mean, you know, you just have a little bit of a different kind of vibe, right? You, you, usually the companies that are entering the space are more tech-focused than they are um, financial-focused um, and looking to build new markets, um, sometimes within the regulatory perimeter, sometimes outside of it, um, and to either uh, integrate with the incumbents to assist in streamlining their processes um, maybe cut out some intermediaries in, a, in the process and, and, and make some money that way, or, or just create whole new markets that have never existed before and, and uh, grow those markets into some sort of disruptive force. Okay, so understanding that there was a debate or at least a discussion the effects of blockchain and reg tech on the longstanding framework for financial regulation. So there's a lot there to unpack, but sure. let's start with this. You know, a lot of attorneys are not going to know what blockchain is. So can you give us a simple explanation? Sure. The simple explanation is there's no simple explanation, but <laughs> I'll, I'll give it a shot here. I'll give it a shot. Um, so when you think about a blockchain, you can think about ledgers. And ledger is just a fancy name for a database, right? And it's just we're talking about property or we're talking about money, and we use the word ledger instead of database. Uh, and so with blockchain, uh, in, tr in a traditional setup, you would have a bank or somebody in the middle 
of the flow of transactions, the flow of funds that would keep and ensure the integrity of that ledger. Um, you'd sometimes have a regulatory body that would, whether it's title to property in, in real estate or, or money and cash in the bank, uh, stocks, equities, things like that. In the blockchain world, what we're trying to do and what we're seeing the technologists innovate around is this idea of decentralizing that responsibility. So you can say that what if everybody had a copy or at least a partial copy of a ledger and we could keep it in sync so that you never had to trust one central party with the, um, the burden and the responsibility of making sure that le- ledger has integrity over time. So it sounds collaborative uh, in nature, right? So, and I'm and I'm using a very, very simple explanation. So, the old days, you know, uh, when you used to send a document to each other, like someone would make a change, send it to the next person, they'd make a change, save it on their system, send it back for more changes. But now you've got online documents where everybody can be a contributor, so you see those changes real time. Is that a, is that a similar comparison? Yeah, it, it, in some ways, it's a similar comparison, and and we take it a step further. And instead of right now, if you had like a Google Doc or something like that, we could all work on it and share it together. Um, but we're ultimately all trusting Google in that scenario that Google isn't going to start messing around with the document or release it to people beyond the people who have permission to view it and things like that. Uh, in this case, what we're saying is everybody has a full and equal copy of that document, and somehow the network of people in this in that chain can can keep keep it together and keep consensus and keep the integrity of that document so that you can work on it in real time and everybody has the exact same copy and you can prove if somebody tried to alter or counterfeit their version of it. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so reg tech, I understand what regulation is, I understand what technology is, yeah. but reg tech, I understand that there's probably a little bit more meaning when you put those two words together. Sure. It's almost an oxymoron for some, I'm sure, but uh, so reg tech, you know, right now, uh, one of the bankers I know was just mentioning how they, the, at his bank, which is a large, systemically important bank, they spend, uh, of their $4 billion technology budget, a little more than $900 million goes into regulatory technology, compliance technology. That's a huge budget for one institution. Granted, it's a huge budget overall, but it's a huge budget to spend on technology just to comply with a variety of different regulations and reporting requirements. So in one sense, RegTech has always been there. It's been there from the beginning, right? We use technology to meet all sorts of different obligations. This idea of RegTech as a single word is um, one where you you see startups and sometimes incumbents working with startups trying to innovate in the space to, to, again, bring those costs down and really, really streamline those processes and and oftentimes working with regulators um, to figure out ways that they can improve the flow of information between parties so that they don't have to spend, you know, almost a billion dollars on technology to comply with, you know, whatever rules are in place. So it sounds like there's a little bit of a uh, push-pull or drag or fight or conflict between blockchain technology, which is, you know, sounds colla- you know sounds collaborative in nature, uh, consolidating your information for uh, the sake of efficiency, and RegTech, which wants you to be in compliance with containing that information. So what does that mean? Let's drive it home. What does that mean uh, for the longstanding framework for financial regulation, do you think? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is we're really seeing two revolutions at the same time. So it's a, it's a two-for-one, really, right? When Bitcoin came out, and was released into the world and became successful, it proved this idea that you can have a system of property that exists outside of the state. 
Now, uh, anybody who remembers property law from, from law school uh, will hear that and say that's not really a thing, right? The, the property is always a function of the state maintaining those things. But Bitcoin is a, is a bit of a challenge to that. Now, whether that type of system, a real blockchain, can scale and, and actually make an impact on, on, on real markets, it, it remains to be seen. Um, but that's one. So there's, there's an interesting, like, very collaborative approach that says we can maintain a record of property, even if that property is just digital artifacts called bitcoins or, or something else like Ethereum or some of these other systems. Um, we can maintain a, a record of that property with, outside of the state and social governance. The other revolution is something that, you know, a lot of people who observed that phenomenon said, maybe we can fine-tune this tech to, to meet the, the needs that we have. So banks and, and other financial institutions and others have looked at it, and they've created things called distributed ledgers, which effectively are like blockchains, except that you have a social governance approach to maintaining the integrity of the ledger. You have contracts between parties and things like that. You don't just rely on math and cryptography, and you embrace the role of the state and all of that. Okay, so uh, understanding that uh, uh, most of our audience are attorneys or other legal professionals, and you're on this panel, and everybody presented, there was an exchange of ideas. What is there a uh, one takeaway that you'd like to leave with the legal audience? Sure, I think what we're seeing in both instances, whether it's blockchains or distributed ledgers, the the big theme here is that we're watching a, a story unfold that we've seen happen in a lot of different places. Right, we're watching software start to encroach on other sorts of processes, manual processes, digitization, and, uh, and, and, and scale. What that is going to end up, what does that mean for us long term? It means that we're going to see the democratization of the creation and administration of markets, broadly speaking. Um, whether it's the creation and administration of property rights um, or actually forming markets that are uh, bilateral between parties and peer-to-peer in nature so that people can exchange those property rights. Uh, that's what we're seeing. So you're going to see this explosion of markets and marketplaces for all sorts of things, whether it's newly created property types and rights uh, or that where the cost of uh, creating those markets has been driven so low that now you're going to have markets where they couldn't have existed before. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, Patrick, it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on the air with us today. And so I just have one last question for you. Our listeners, they may want to follow up, learn a little bit more about what they heard today. How can they find you? Sure. I am, uh, I'm, I'm easy to find on the web. You can find me at the Berkman Klein Center website. Uh, I have a bio there, or you can find me at cooley.com. Uh, and my bio there and happy to hear from folks I'm also on Twitter it's just to warn people uh, if you ever see Patrick out in public you should probably not ask him for a business card yeah good luck getting a business card out of me (laughs) (laughs) All right. well we've reached the end of the road for today's episode but I want to thank our guest Patrick for joining us today and I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in and if you like what you heard today please find us first rate us in Apple Podcast second we'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.